0: Right, you ready for this? Ready. We've talked about a couple things that Jesus didn't say, and we've talked about why that matters so much. Right? You know what's funny about about the world really is um, th- just the way things go. It's 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 interesting because what Jesus said really matters. What he says <laughs> matters. Now we we talked about that a little bit, but let me just let's start like this. Is it wrong to doubt? Well, I know I, I know we're in church, so a lot of times the answer is Jesus, right? In church. Or the answer is going to be something like, well, no, Christians, we're sure of our faith, right? I mean, no one, if I did a show of hands and asked if anybody had any questions or doubts, and we're all honest, I think all of us could raise our hand at some point. Because, as humans, we're always going to have some questions about something, I mean, none of us know everything. And and the, the problem with that is, is when you do have doubts, it's okay. But you wonder about that. Have you ever been driving somewhere and all of a sudden you start to wonder, am I going the right way? Have you ever had that happen? Okay. And in our day and age today, you know, I go right to, anybody else use Waze? It's like a social media GPS. I go right to that. I mean, I've used it in Jamaica. I've used it all over the world. It's crazy how it works everywhere. But... That's typically what we do today. But do you remember how it used to be? Does anybody remember that far back? You might ask somebody, hey, are we going the right way? Well, I think so. I mean, it's, it looks familiar. Or I've done this before where you, you, you're visiting maybe a town or something, someplace you're not super familiar with, and you leave the hotel, and then you try to find it again, and you're like, I have no idea where I am. Back, back years ago, you'd have to go ask somebody or get a map or something to find the way. But I know I've been on my way someplace, and I've started to doubt. You know what that does to you? makes you less sure. makes you less confident about your direction. Not only, if somebody asks me, I've had this happen where I've been visiting some other place, and another stranger to the place says, Hey, can you tell me how to get somewhere? And I just got to laugh like, I could, but you probably wouldn't get there because I don't know where I'm at either or how to get wherever it is you're talking about. And that's the problem. When you start to doubt, not only does it, d- does it affect where you are going and your own sense of confidence, but you're not going to tell anybody. And yet, with Christianity, doubts come. It happens sometimes. Have you ever had questions? How do you know we're right? I mean, if we're the only way to salvation, how do we know that? Can you trust the Bible and everything? I mean, do you know everything about it? It's important. You know, there's many things that separate Christianity from other faiths. But if you don't follow and know what Jesus really said, you may not get those things right. And they matter. They really do matter. So is it wrong to doubt? Let me say it this way. I really do believe this, that what God has called us to do is seek truth he's not looking for blind faith people he didn't do that to us he actually said follow me then he gives us reasons to follow there's a combination of faith and reason that happens now as we go through this i just want to help you walk through this questions aren't bad they're not bad they're good questions are good You've, you've had this happen you give somebody instructions and you go like do you have any questions and you know they should Right? you ever had that happen? Like, it's a complicated process you just went through. And you're like, do you have any questions? And they're like, no, I got it. And you're like, no, really. Do you have any questions at all? You've heard this said, right? There's no stupid questions. The only bad question is the one you don't ask. The same is true with your faith. It's okay to have questions. The problem is, is people who do not want to explore and find out answers. Because then what happens is some people... Not you necessarily, but I'm talking about people who have skepticism about, about, about God or Christianity. A lot of times they'd like to sit in that place of skepticism. And the reason is because if they're in that skeptical place where they don't have to actually explore and find answers, then they don't have to act on what is the truth. They can just say, well, I'm not sure. I'm still questioning. Okay, that's fine. To me, it's fine as long as you're an honest questioner. If what you're doing is not just living in limbo and not trying to find answers. (sighs) The thing is, not really thinking about something is actually a choice you make. And when you don't explore the answers, it's not fair then to say you come to any real conclusions. So here's something Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, don't doubt or else. That's not Jesus. He doesn't talk like that. That's not him. He said, consider this. Many times as he's speaking to people, you have heard it said, but I'm saying, he wanted you to think about it. He wanted you to explore this. I look at this and I think, but didn't Jesus say to stop doubting? Yes. Yes, he did. But he did that in a certain place, in a certain time, and for a certain reason, which we're going to look at. I believe this, that God created the world from a rational mind. And this is how science started. You know, most scientists in the beginning were all Christians. That one, they knew that God had a rational mind and created the world in a rational way. So that led them to understand that there's cause and effect in the world because that's how God set it up. So that led them to explore God's creation. They looked at it as an act of worship to explore what God had made and he made it discoverable for us. Because the pattern of who he is and the way he thinks is imprinted onto us and on the world and we could find out more about his world by looking at it because it's a rational thing. That, that flies completely in the face of people in the world, naturalists for instance, who would say that the world is all the product of random chance. Because that's not what we see. When you look at the world, there's an incredible imprint of design all the way through. God did that on purpose. We'll have questions, and we can expect answers. Even the Bible itself is an expression of a rational mind. It's structured in a rational way. And I would say this, put it up against any literature, not only from its time or afterward. It's an amazing book. The more you read it, the more you understand about it, you see the beauty and the rational part of it over and over and over. And if you've never done this, you should, if you have questions. Compare it to the book of Enoch or any of the um, books that people say were you know, written later that uh, rival the scripture. You'll see they don't. It's an incredible thing. When you look at the Bible, it's backed up by logic and consistency. The contradictions that people say, usually when they look into them, they find out they're not there. It's historically accurate, geographically accurate archaeologically accurate. What I mean by that is over and over and over, the gospel writers especially, but all the writers, they would constantly tie it to physical, historical things, basically inviting you, check this out. It happened here at this moment in time. You can check it out. It's grounded in history. And this person was in charge, and this was this, and this was this, and you can go and look up each of those things. That's a rational God. But doubt's still an issue, right? How about the disciples? Can you imagine being one of them? Have you ever wondered about that? I do this a lot with scripture, right? Try to think about what it might have been to be walking those streets. And I'll tell you, um, again, thank you for sending me to Israel a year and a half ago. To to actually be in places like there's synagogues, ruins of synagogues, where you can literally stand on the threshold, which you knew Jesus taught in there multiple times and would have stepped right where I stepped. Okay, it's an amazing thing. But can you imagine being with them, doing it, hearing Jesus teach the things that we read about, the things you have memorized, but the first time he said it, can you imagine what that would have been like? I mean, these were good Jewish boys, don't forget. They were raised in a Jewish tradition, which, which they thought they had the whole world figured out, and then this preacher comes from Nazareth and starts talking as if he's God. They had to be thinking, wait a minute here. That's pretty bold. Who do you think you are? But they'd probably be afraid to say it because he's the teacher. And then he starts doing miracles, healing people, things they couldn't—they knew were impossible for a human to do. So they had to step back and say, wow, if he could do that, maybe then what he's saying is true. And maybe, maybe everything he's saying isn't true. And then they probably went further and said, and maybe he's going to take over the country and kick out the Romans and make us free. And of course there was all that too. Can you imagine what it was like for them? Do you think they doubted? Yes, they did. They clearly did. And what's funny sometimes as humans now here in the, and Christians in the 21st century, we look back and we know the whole story and we're like, oh, look at those silly guys. How could they not have faith? Well, come on. Put yourself in their shoes. It was a, it was a brand new thing. At one point with the, with the disciples, th- this father, oh, he's desperate because this demon has possessed his kid And he brings him to the disciples and he asks them to pray that this demon be removed from this poor child. Have you ever had a sick kid? Have you ever had a kid who's right on the threshold or something really horrible? You know that desperation. And he's going to who he thinks can help and they can't. That's what happens. So they bring him to Jesus. And the dad brings him and says, and Jesus is talking to him. And he says, um, he goes, I need you to heal my my son. And he says, your disciples couldn't do it. So Jesus says, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Sounds kind of harsh, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound like he's saying, why are you guys doubting? Why are you doubting still? Then he asks the father, how long has it been like this? And the father says, it's been like this since he was a a child. And and a lot of times this demon just makes him throw himself into the fire. And then he says this to Jesus. I would have loved to have been right there, even knowing what we know now. But can you imagine the very first time? And he says this to Jesus. Have mercy on us and know know his desperation and help us if you can. (laughs) Did you catch the if you can part? Do you hear any doubt in there? If you can. and <laughs> Jesus says, I wish we could hear Jesus' voice in the inflections like, what do you mean if I can? Do you think he said it like that? What do you, what do you mean if I can? I would have been like, if I can? Do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> if I can. But what's he saying? He's just being honest about his doubt. And I think that's something that as Christians, there's times where you might have a question and a doubt, and you feel guilty, and you think, can I even ask this? And Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. The Father cries out instantly, and he says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief, my doubt. I hope you, like me, resonate with this Father and says, God, I believe, but help me with, what I unbel- with, with my doubts. Because there's some things, you, you're always going to have these questions. I want you to notice some things. Jesus didn't actually rebuke the Father for his lack of faith. The, the rebuke earlier, I mean, I think what he was doing is rebuking not only the disciples, but the people had, who had heard him speak for a long time. And the disciples at this point had seen other miracles, don't forget but he didn't rebuke that dad for his honesty and his doubt. But still, doubt is the opposite of faith. We know that. You know that intuitively. I would add to that, doubt is like a prison that's locked from the inside. I want you to follow me with this, this illustration. Doubt is a prison that's locked from the inside. You choose whether you open that door and step out. Because you can stay in that prison and then what happens is you don't have to deal with anything Jesus said or anything Christianity claims. You don't have to follow the morality. You don't have to follow the rules. You don't have to treat people kindly when they're unkind to you. And you can just stay in doubt. But if you are willing to open that door and say, God, I doubt, but help me with my doubt. No, I believe. (laughs) Help me with my unbelief. If you are willing to open that door and step out and investigate The truth is there. And not only what will happen is your doubt will start to fade away, and then you will have the you will then be compelled to share with people with a full, full voice. The problem with doubt is if you wallow in it, you just don't move. The problem is with doubt is if you keep there, you won't move in faith. You won't speak in faith, you won't act in faith, you won't tell other people about your faith. You'll just stay in doubt. So what do you do? Jesus said this to, in answer to them. Because they said, the disciples later asked Jesus, why couldn't we cast out that guy's demon, that kid's demon? Can you imagine how frustrated they would have been? Because it would have been so embarrassing. I mean, the, the dad puts them right on blast in front of Jesus. And like, yeah, they couldn't do it. Can you do it? And Jesus like, mm, yeah. And he says to them, this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. You know what that is? It's, it's power for sure. But what prayer and fasting is, is also seeking him, the source of the power. It's seeking answers to dispel your doubt. It would have been easy for the disciples to say, yeah, we don't measure up. We're no good. We can't do it. Jesus, you're the man. We're... That's not what Jesus wanted. What he wanted for them to do was to seek him and also be ones that had that same power. If you have questions, good. That means your mind is active and you're seeking. Good. Seek the answer. Seek him who is the answer. If you have questions, why did this happen? Why did that happen? Be honest about your doubt and seek the answers. Study your word. Find out those answers. Pray. Spend your time praying. Fast. Seek him. Put put aside earthly needs for spiritual growth. That's what fasting does. It focuses you. Get help. Ask questions. If you're in doubt today, you're actually in very good company. Because the disciples were not even done looking at their doubt. Because we can learn more about their doubt. So, later on, Jesus finds out that his cousin, John John the Baptist, had been murdered by Herod. Horrible thing. Jesus and him were close. You can see from Scripture, Jesus wants to be alone and, and mourn. And probably go to the Father and say, I didn't think it was going to go this way. I mean, I don't know. But I do know this. He couldn't get away from the crowds. The crowds found out where he was, and they flooded him. And in the middle of this, look what Jesus does. Okay, not that Jesus had doubt. I don't think that at all. But I'm sure the disciples had doubt. And then all of a sudden, they're flooded with a ministry opportunity. If, if they would have doubted at this point, they wouldn't have done ministry. I just want you to grasp this. Doubt keeps you from so many things. It keeps you from growing in your faith. It keeps you from ministering through your faith. So here's what happens. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Now, on the one hand, the disciples are doing it, you know, they're they're managing, they're planning. Look, there's a lot of people here. They got to eat and we got nothing for them. Send them off. And Jesus says this, that isn't necessary. You feed them. And they have doubt. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. That is doubt. It's doubt. Doubt keeps us from seeing the possible in the impossible. Doubt keeps you seeing the physical world as all it is. We live in a spiritual world. We live in a world where there's a battle for your soul all the time, and it's easy sometimes to just see the way the world is and say, oh, God, I guess it's over. I don't know what else to do, and the world's going to end, and you know, this political candidate, and this illness, and this, and this, and this, and those are real. But doubt keeps you from realizing that there's a God in heaven who can work in and through those things and do things you had no idea were possible because he's way bigger than us. But faith says, wow, God, what are you going to do with this? What, what miracle are you going to do in my situation right now? Faith says, God, this is a big deal. Don't, don't deny it's a big deal. It's a big deal. I can't wait to see what you're going to do. Do you see the difference? Where doubt says, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. God, did you know this was happening? Did this surprise you? God, in case you haven't seen, this is what's going on in my life. God, there's this teacher that I can't deal Oh, it's funny. We're so people-y, aren't we? are so people are not we we are so selfish and short-sighted, and our doubt keeps us like right here. And God says, look at all of this. Look at all I have for you. The poor disciples. I, I, I feel bad for them because they don't know what we know now. But you know what? We know all this, and we do the same thing. What are you doubting that God can do? Healing? Financial, a relationship, a job, a school situation, career, something that you're planning on, you don't know what's going to happen with your future, or even your past, something that just bugs you and follows you around, and you're like, God, God, God. So here's what happens. Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And what we're told is that doesn't include the women and children. So estimates say that it could be as many as 20,000 people. How in the world could that even be? It, it can't be in the world. That's the point. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a supernatural event where Jesus took five loaves and two fish and blessed it. It was multiplied. And then the disciples collect leftovers. So then Jesus says, take the leftovers, get in the boat, boat I'll catch up to you. And they do. And if, we, we talked about one of these boat stories earlier, or a couple of weeks ago, but they go in the boat Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning. Does anybody ever get up at three in the morning? Or you're up at three? That's a that's a that's a horrible time of night. Three, four in the morning? Nothing good happens at that time. Jesus. God. This is, I, I just try to put my mind okay you're in the boat you're struggling and you're like what in the world jesus comes walking to them on the water <laughs> oh goodness some people you know it's so funny there's all these skeptics there be like well he was walking on the shore and they just happened to be by shore that's not what it says if that had happened they would have said that because they they tell on themselves plenty of times that's not what it says It says they were far away from land. So Jesus is walking on the water. When the disciples saw him, they were terrified. How embarrassing. Because that's doubt. Have you doubted like that? Have you got the bill and you were terrified? God, have you got the report or the diagnosis and you were terrified? In their fear, doubt. They cried out, it's a ghost. Doubt. Doubt. Couldn't be God doing something because my world's falling apart. Do you see this? It couldn't be God doing something or God has an opportunity to do a miracle because I don't see how that's possible. (laughs) Doubt. (laughs) Then I love Peter. I love him. I cannot wait to meet him in heaven one day. I'm sure there'll be a long line. I just can't wait to meet him. Then Peter called out to him, Lord, if doubt, you see the doubt, if it's really you, (laughs) have you ever had that happen? You're trying to recognize somebody. Is that you? If it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. He, He kind of throws out the fleece. It's almost like Gideon's fleece. If it's you call out. I'm sure he was listening to the voice to see like, does it sound like Jesus? And will he call me out? And Jesus said, yeah, come. I got you. Peter went over the side of the boat. Can you imagine what that was like? He'd climb it. I wonder what he did. Do you think he did one of those whole, like get the whole body over at once? Do you think he kind of side- straddled it? How do you walk on water? I don't even know. And if it's rough, I'm, I don't know. So he walks on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouts. I know for centuries, millennia, people have criticized Peter for doubting. But please, he's the only one who got out the boat. Only one who got out of the boat. And if we know anything about Peter's character from what we read here, I guarantee you, every time one of the disciples tried to tease him about that, he'd be like, yeah, but who walked on water? (laughs) Me and Jesus, that's it, none of (laughs) y'all. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him, and he said to him, you have so little faith, why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt? What's so powerful about this story is, well, they climb back in the boat. I want to get to that. Yeah, the wind stopped. Then everybody's like, you really are the son of God. You didn't think that the day before when I fed 5,000 people? But isn't that us too? Because he takes us out of one situation and we're like, oh, you are God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. you. My cancer, my whatever. Yes, you did this, you did this, this, this. And then we fall off into something and we're like, God. Just like us. You really are the son of God. You know, doubt is not a problem when everything's going our way. Have you noticed that? When everything's going great, bank account's full, kids are home and healthy, everything's wonderful, marriage is peachy, the job's secure, straight A's, right? What miracle would it take for you to be fully convinced? I I often talk to people, some people are skeptics, like... If I could prove to you that Jesus was completely God and Christianity is real, would you follow Him? And it's remarkable how many people still say no, because that's not really the issue. But what would it take? You know, and God's not a genie. It's not like you're rubbing a lamp and saying, "Okay, do this for me." If you did this, then I'll follow you. That's not how it works. He, he, he wants you to follow because you choose to follow. He will do these things and pull you up out of that water and get you back in the boat. But then you still have to walk through life and believe. Because in case you haven't noticed, this is not a fairy tale, and we don't live happily ever after until it's actually ever after. Because life is like this. Real life is like this. What's he already done for you? I know I had you call some of those things out of worship, but what has he already done for you? Is that enough to take care of your doubt? And I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, because we doubt. I get it. Were they done? Doubting? Nope. They weren't done doubting. Why? You might think, how could they still doubt? Well, remember where they were. They don't know the end of the story. Jesus is still preaching all these, these things that to them sound crazy. Like he's changing our religion. And the Pharisees, the religious rulers, are constantly on him about it. And he keeps trying to teach them and show them who God really is. And he pulls things from the Old Testament that they just weren't following. And he helps them to see that God is a God of love. And he, he wants you to love your enemies. And, and God cares more about people than he does the rules and the Sabbath. But he wants them saved. And he wants relationship. And he keeps doing this over and over and over and over. But they're still Jews, it's still crazy. We talked about it last week with, the, with communion and he opens up communion for them and says, this is now the new covenant in my blood replacing Moses. I, I don't know if we can fully understand the, the weight and gravity and bigness of that. That is huge. But more importantly, he said he was the Messiah and then he died. If I could have the band join me up here. Jesus kept breaking their categories. They wanted him in a box that made sense to them and they understood, but he kept breaking that. And when he told them that he was going to rise again, did they believe? No. They doubted. Do you ever think about that? Easter morning, what happens? Now, where would you be? Okay, let's say we are transported back in time and it's Easter morning. Where would you be? No, really, where would you be? I'd be right outside that tomb. I would not, I could not wait to see what Jesus does. I mean, if they did not doubt and he had said he was going to do that, wouldn't you just be sitting there thinking, hey, how do you think he's going to do this? What do you think? Is he going to just like, do you think he's just going to explode that stone? Is he going to just roll it away? Is he going to just like come right through it? I mean, what's he going to do? It's going to be a shaft of light. Is it going to be sparks or who knows? That is not what happened. Where were they? They were doubting. So here's the thing. If you are doubting today, you are in very good company. I get it. So here's what happens. Very early Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb. And they were doubting too. But they were at least going there to prepare the body. And they found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They stood there puzzled. Why? They also doubted. Two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified. They bowed their faces to the ground. And the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee and you doubted? They didn't say that part. I just said that. That the son of man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered it. They were doubting. So check this. They rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and the Mary, the mother of Jesus, and several other women who told the apostles, the apostles, the disciples, what had happened. This is, the story sounded like nonsense to the men. Nonsense. That's doubt doubt so they didn't believe it however i credit peter with this and then john john went too, but it's not recorded in this version but peter jumped up and ran to the tomb you know what he did he stepped out of that prison of doubt and opened the door and ran to the tomb it's not wrong to doubt it's wrong to stay in doubt it's not wrong to have questions it's wrong just to sit on your questions and say i don't think it's real Nonsense! They thought it was nonsense. Stooping, he peered in and he saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. But at least he went and looked. Here's the thing about doubt. You can stay in doubt. You can choose to do that. Or you can free yourself and explore the answers. What I love about this is... The fact is, God invites us to explore. And he tells us, if you seek me, you will find me. I don't mind people having questions. I think questions are actually good. Because what they do is they lead us to truth. I'm not worried about people having questions about Christianity or about the Bible or about Jesus or any of those things. Because I know if they search diligently, they will find Jesus. I know that. I'm not worried about that. So you have questions about the Bible? Good. Good. You have questions about how prayer works? Good. Faith? Good. Grace, sin, redemption? Good. The resurrection? Good. I'm glad. Seek the truth. And it's all through the Bible. Jeremiah 29:13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. In Deuteronomy it says, But from there you will search again for the Lord your God, and if you search for him with all your heart and soul, you will find him. Jesus said it this way, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. But to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. I know you have doubts, questions. It's okay, because there's good answers. And then when you find those answers, here's what happens. When you search for an answer and find it, your, your, your faith is strengthened. In a way that could not have been strengthened had you not go and gone through the process of seeking answers. You know how it is. You, you ever done something and it just worked out the first time? You're like, oh, are you good at that thing? Usually not. You got lucky or whatever. It's when you don't and then you find out what did I do wrong and how could I fix this and how to go better? Then you know we learn far more from the seeking than we do from the easy answers. If you have been struggling through an issue and you have sought God in the middle of it and met him, then you know him and no one can shake that. Because you've known it, you've, you've walked it. There's answers. Not only will it reinforce and build your faith, then it'll help you with someone else. When God takes you through a rough patch in your marriage. You're better equipped to help others than theirs. When you've walked through a An illness with a child and come through the other side you can comfort a a scared mama who it's the first time they've ever had to go i mean have anybody ever had to do that i mean theo got a an infection and he was just under that three-month part where if you know what i'm talking about you know but i had to go to children's mercy with them and they strap him down and do all these things oh god but when you've walked it you know When you've gone through a tough time financially, when you've had struggle in school and God has brought you through, then you know. And you become that person then who can help someone else with their doubts and lead them to confidence in the Savior. That's what he does. Doubt keeps us from seeing the possible in the impossible. But God is the God of the impossible. So what is it? I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes. Let me just ask you these questions. What is it you've been doubting that God can do it's the same list I had earlier maybe it is healing maybe it's financial and you see no way out maybe there is no way out but, but God maybe it's a relationship situation and you, you have no idea what can be done to fix it maybe it's a friend you've had for your whole life and it's broken Maybe there's somebody in your life who desperately needs to know Jesus like you do and you don't see any change. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's something at school. Maybe it was a rough week and it's only been three, four days. Career. Something future, something from your past. My question is, are you ready to seek the God who has answers today and help him find that with you? With your heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're struggling and you're crying out like that father. I believe, but help my unbelief. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand? You believe, but you need help. Raise your hand. Just be honest between you and God. It's okay. <laughs> you're in good company. Good company. Appreciate those honest hands. Maybe, maybe you're here today, though, and... Uh, You actually haven't put your faith in him. But maybe something that was said today, maybe something a friend of yours already said, a relative that made you think, you know what? I'm ready today to start that journey of trust with him. Yes, I have questions and doubts, but I want to seek him today. Anybody at all? First time you would just raise your hand and we could pray with you. Anybody at all? I want to give you a moment to respond. I don't want to rush this where you're you're wondering and questioning and saying, God, are you real? Yeah, he's real. I can tell you that for sure. But you need to seek him and find him for you. God has no grandkids. I know we talk about this. But being a church doesn't make you a, a faithful believer or a Christian. That's up to you to say, yes, I trust him with my life. Anybody at all like that, that you would say, today I would trust him for the first time. Anybody at all. All right, would you do this with me? Would you stand with me? I'm going to invite those who are prepared to help us pray, if you would come forward right now. And then as they're coming forward, I want to invite you, if you are here today and you need prayer for anything, this is not a statement of saying, I'm doubting, but it might be you who are saying that you're struggling a little bit and you want someone to believe with you. It's one of the beautiful things about the body of Christ that I can be struggling with something, I can, I can come to a friend and say, I need you to stand with me and help me with this. Pray with me. We don't do this alone. We do not do this alone. So if you need prayer for anything, these people up here are loving, caring people in this church, and they would pray with you about anything. It could be a physical need, spiritual, emotional, whatever that is, even if it's just the doubt issue, and you want God to help with that. I want to invite you to come for prayer because they want, they will pray with you right now. If you would just bow your heads, I want to pray with you and then we'll, we'll, um, we'll worship and spend some time in prayer. Father, I pray for us in our faith that you would build our faith today. God, I pray for these issues and needs that people have and that you would meet them today. Amen. Please come if you need prayer and worship with us.